Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me, as always, is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirschpool. Victory Monday, AKP. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, satisfied. We finally stuck it to those New York iron workers um, after, after, what was it, five failed attempts, five attempts where New York got lucky and managed to escape with a win. They, uh finally gonna have to chew on an L here right and we haven't had a victory Monday in a while and it certainly feels good considering everything that happened in round nine of MLR we had some record-setting scoring we had some some of our fellow Eastern Conference opponents like Nola Gold drop off and lose one to Rugby ATL they haven't beat Rugby ATL yet so you know before Old Glory even kicked off there was jockeying going on and and as we talked about last episode we're jumping right into it as we talked about last episode it was time for us to start stacking up some W's and I got to tell you AKP after that first half I was a little bit nervous about which way we were going I did not see a 30 point second half performance coming on I don't know about you what were your thoughts you were at the stadium what was it like there yeah, it was a bit concerning in the first half. I mean, it looked like we might just get run over again. It was we weren't we weren't that far out of it, but they were they were doing that thing where every now and then they just seemed to score super easily and it was like, "Oh no, is this going to turn into a a bloodbath in the second half?" And then the exact opposite happened. They barely managed to do anything in the second half. I mean, one lucky score from a a missed kickoff like we screwed up a kickoff and they scored because of that and the rest of the time they they couldn't even sniff the try line so it was it was you got a bit of the best and the worst of old glory in this game i mean some of the worst and we'll talk about it in a bit what is going on with the line out i mean we were struggling again in the game you were at the game it didn't the first of all the crowd seemed great it, it looked good there was they were they were all over the place they were on the other side right you know where it says loud and united typically you know the cameras on 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 the opposite side and people sitting on the camera side but there were people over there you could hear how lively it was on the broadcast what was the atmosphere like there i thought the atmosphere was really good yeah i mean it's it's not like the stadium's anywhere near full but it's it's loud and the people who are there were we're very into it. The first half less so, obviously. <laughs> a bit less to cheer about, but that, that second half got rowdy. Nice, nice. And we, we talked about how important it was for Oglory to start stacking up some Ws. I, I quickly just want to talk about where we are at in the Eastern Conference. So New England, of course, had that big win. They've got 30 points. New York, who we just beat, second place with 21 points. Atlanta, 20 points. D.C., fourth place, 20 points. Nola Gold, 16 points. I mean, again... Say we were to drop that one and not get any points, we would be in fifth place in the Eastern Conference and wondering what's going on. But they found a way to pull it out. What a win it was. So much to talk about. So but first I gotta start. I gotta start with we sent some text messages when we saw the match day twenty-three on Friday when they released it. But I mean, give the listeners some of your thoughts on what do you think was going into the lineup decisions there? There are some injuries, right? I think you were there. You saw a guy in a sling. Tell us a little bit about your initial thoughts when you saw that match day 23. Yeah, so the team is is clearly dealing with some injuries. Um, Corey Daniel was was on the sidelines in a sling. Um, he's apparently had surgery, according to the broadcast. So um, hopefully 
he'll come back on the field at some point this year, but no guarantees. Um, it sounds like Mike Taboulis is out for the long term as well. Um, maybe season ending, maybe not, but <laughs> that's not the maybe that you want. Um, yeah, we Herrera was not in the lineup again. Um, Nangali still out of the lineup after having an absolutely huge season um, in like the first quarter of the season. He's just hasn't been there for for weeks now. So hopefully nothing too bad is going on there. Um, and then we we had a bunch of switch ups. There were uh, some some fun lineup changes. Um, Jama going to flanker which he's done for the u.s national team um and he's maybe he's maybe just a tad slow at flanker at the international level but um (laughs) we'll go into it further here in a moment but he's he's perfectly fast enough for mlr level um flanker and then langi langi slotting in at eight um and then graden boyd getting a, a start at 10 um, you, I mean, you heard it here first. We're the ones who called it. Been calling this since preseason. No, 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 no. You called it. I got to give all the credit to you. You called it, and we were joking around about it in the last episode about you know a fly half controversy. And I gotta say, Graydon played really well yeah. that game. He's a really good distributor. Yeah, I really liked too when it was him when. So we had Fermin Martinez went off injured during the match um, pretty early on, and so Threat and Palamo came on. And then later on in the match, Palamo was taken off, and um, Tito came on and replaced him. And I thought when you had you know, Baker in the backfield, you had Tito at fly half, and you had Boyd also in the lineup to provide more dis- distribution, I thought that worked really well. Because it gives so many so many threats you know it's like boyd is so good at distributing the ball and seeing where the ball needs to go um tito is such an attacking threat and a kicking threat and then baker is just a, a live wire at at fullback i feel like that could be the the perfect dream combination just get them all on the field hey it was great seeing and it was great seeing junior sal back right we hadn't seen him in a bit you know him running rampaging on this out there on the wing and getting some space for Penny Lasaga. There was a lot of things in that second half that just started working. And again, (laughs) going into the sheds at halftime, I was a little bit nervous about it. But let's let's, let's talk about that. Let's compare the first half to the second half. Was it adjustments? Was it mentality? What do you think happened in the second half where all of a sudden it seemed like a fire was lit under Old Glory? Was it like, hey, guys, we can't let this opportunity slip away here? What, what did you think was going on there? If you had to do a little Monday morning um, quarterbacking here, what was going fly on? Fly-having, Monday morning fly-having. Fly-having, yeah. Uh, actually, that's, I'm sure that term is trademarked already. So uh, Shout-out to shout out to the, the like one guy whose name I cannot recall right Craig now Grinelli. who does have the Monday morning. There it is. He doesn't do his Monday morning fly-half anymore. If you're listening, buddy, I hope you bring it back. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure that I could, I, I know what happened, but yeah, I do think it was maybe mentality shift. Something was said during, during halftime, either by, you know, coach Sims or maybe by JAMA, something to get them in the mindset of just 
just playing aggressively um, defensively. They tightened it up really, really well, and they were playing that sort of perfect defense that we've seen so much from them where they just don't really, they never break. They just sort of absorb all of the the energy of the attack. And yeah, and it's... It's sort of it's weird to see a team shift that that much from from before the half like the first half to the second half and some of it might also just be luck because there were there were moments where it in the first half where we just dropped a ball or um, passed it forward or knocked it on or you know just little errors here and there that just just messed it up and you know, a little bit of ill-discipline at the breakdown and things like that just just stacked up. And, you know, all it took was tightening those things up to to make the team really formidable. You know, when I looked at the match day 23 and I looked at the pack, and this is something that we've always talked about, about how going into the season in the first few games, it seemed like Old Glory's pack was really going to be the strength here. Missing a few guys, again, Locke's injuries seem to be concerned. Colin Gross playing out of his mind stepping in as a rookie. Like, I know Sam Gala's having a great year, but, like, shout out Colin. He may be in the running for, for my pick of four to the game. But you looked at it, again, if you looked at if you matched him up against New York, Dylan Fawcett, Caleb Geiger, Mayhew did have to go off early. Old Glory's pack was undersized going into this thing. And I got to say, they played pretty well. All things considered. But yeah, they really did. Lataro Bavaro had it played out of his mind today. Fantastic. And just yeah, wildly good that guy. Especially when you consider that, I mean, he's a he's a flanker. But when um, when Finton Coleman went off um, for a head injury assessment, and then I think he came back late on later and was subbed out again. Um, but but when he went off and we didn't have a a backup lock on the the bench, which that's an insane situation in and of itself, um, but you he's he's shifted over into lock and and we started winning our scrums, like winning penalties at the scrum, getting a good drive on, and it's like, maybe maybe we just need to play Bavaro at lock. This is like a game of who can we find who are the the hidden locks on our roster who are the the people we've got in the back row who who can also play second row because apparently we don't get any real second rowers but so, so that's my question is we saw the announcement that old glory signed kyle bailey where is he like is it a fitness thing because my look because they signed langy langy he was he was a reserve two weeks ago he played a full 80 minutes this week I thought Langy Langy for the longest time was going to be a you know in the twenty three and we would slowly bring him on, but what's going on? Where, where is Bailey? Like, is he injured? We just signed him. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I mean, no, because it's not like the team is actually going to tell us any of this. Um, it could be a visa problem because he is Canadian, so he does have to get permission to work over. I mean, he's domestic according to the league, but not according to the U.S. government. Um, they don't give a da- give a damn who, which national team you're playing for. Um, so it could just be that he's not actually allowed to to play yet. But um, and they just announced him when they did because that's when they had to sign him because of the there's a signings deadline um, in MLR, which I think just passed maybe. 
So you have to have players signed by halfway through the season. Today, the 17th. We're, we're recording today on Monday the 17th. Today's the last day where they can sign, officially sign. It can be announced a few days later. But the paperwork apparently has to yep. clear today. So, But again, like a lot of that is, you know, there's some smoke and mirrors there. Exactly. So, so maybe they just announced him when they did, but things hadn't actually been settled yet. Because, yeah, it would be great to see him in the lineup and... Um, part of it, part of this is, like you say, just getting size into the back into the pack because it feels like you know Nangali is a, a big guy who's now out. You know Nakatini is is out, South is out, and they're all they're all tall, big guys who add a bit of of weight and leverage to the scrum, and um, and none of them have have been able to to play recently, and instead we've had to play at lock. Um, play a couple of flankers and a couple of small young guys at flanker i mean coleman isn't huge um gross is 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 reasonably large for for someone just out of college but he's all he's not nangali sized and then you know you look at flanker and things like that you take out Corey daniel and you replace him with um alejo dairo and like that's not even comparable Corey Daniel's a tank and, and Dairo's a little bit smaller than him. So I think that's why we put Langi Langi in is, you know, Langi Langi's a big, big lad and you get him and you get Jamma. Um, they're two big guys who, who can lend a bit more weight to the scrum. Well, AKP, you know, talking about all the injuries we had and Coleman came off and then he came back Furman Martinez, he looked pretty shaken up. I guess I wouldn't be surprised to be potentially here. Ogori may be forced into signing or bringing in some more reinforcements, so that just may be something we'll have to keep our eye on this week, um, whether or not there's going to be any more announcements, and I have a feeling there'll be quite a few across MLR, which is always fun to see what trickles over the line. Um, but pausing there... Uh, and looking forward to who we play next, and that's the Utah Warriors, and we'll get to them in a second. They are probably one of the hottest teams in MLR right now. But after a win like that at home against a rival, a team you haven't beaten, this was the first time we ever beat them. You know, we talked about some things we had some issues with in the first half, and then you know, obviously there were some adjustments in the second half. But you know, what what do we what does Old Glory need to work on between now and this Utah match at home? Well, I mean, it's one of the things that you said right off the bat is the lineouts. I don't know what's gone on. We went from having a really consistent lineout. Like when we played Nola and Nola has Cam Dolan, legendary lineup lineout disruptor, and we just completely unfazed when we played Nola. Our our lineout was a huge strength. And then since then it's like we've <laughs> Suchon has overthrown so many lineouts. Um We've even when they've worked, it's like it feels more like they've figured out that Suchon is gonna overthrow the ball every now and then, and they're just prepared for it. Um, I I don't know what the problem is. Is it a is it? A, I mean, we talked about it undersized a little bit. A lot. Is it a lack of height? It could be. I mean, I mean, when you think about it, you do have to if you're usually you've got some locks in there, and and you're when you're lock is tall and lifting you or if you're lifting a, a tall lock it just gives you that extra six inches or so to um, between their height and their arm length it gives you an extra six inches and that can be it and that can 
Sutron is then probably trying to throw it as high as possible so that you make the most of that that height. But I, I really I don't know. It's <laughs> we're at the limits of what I under what I what I know as a a rugby commentator, but you're not in the backyard practicing your lifts and your calls and your throws. <laughs> Maybe you should be. Yeah, Maybe. I was never I was I did briefly play at lock in in um in high school so i was occasionally lifted in the line out but um mostly we were just ho- happy if the ball went straight so that was <laughs> that was the level of concern there you know may, maybe it's just you know sometimes I, I don't know if it's a you know mental you throw a bad one and like you know it gets to you and it weighs you on the next one and you try and make sure that one's perfect and then you know that one is overthrown and is it the old, you know, Brett Favre gunslingers mentality where you throw an interception and you just shake it off because you have to go out there and make another play? You know, Brett Favre threw a lot of interceptions. He also did throw a lot of touchdown passes. And, and I'm not saying it's a mental thing that's going on with Suchan or any other of our hookers that are throwing the ball in. And they've even tr- mixing it up, right? There were a couple of short throws just to get, get the ball. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So um, We scored try off of that, too. Short short pass right to Iscaro. Iscaro dumps it straight to um, to Satala, and and we, we got a score off of that. And actually, speaking of of uh, Iscaro briefly, his ball handling skills are so good these days. He made a number of really good passes. He stepped in at scrum half a couple of times, and and really crisp passes. I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing there. Versatility from the big fella. Is he our next winger? Are we going to stick... Uh, Fairman Martinez went down. Are we going to stick Iscaro uh, in, at center? Oh, I thought you were going to go the other way and say now we have a scrum half controversy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, scrum <laughs> half controversy. Who cares about Danny? Get him off the field. I want Iscaro at nine. Put Jackie Boy in there. Let's let's see him rumble, pick and go there. <laughs> How's his uh, box kick? Let's try it out. I mean, heck, you might as well experiment. Try it out in the short week here. <laughs> okay, hey, this is a good time to talk about it. Let, let's talk a little bit about our pick for forward of the game. I think I went first last week, and I'm seeing some notes in here, which are pretty funny from you. So I'm going to let you go first and pick who your forward of the game is. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, ha- I have to go, see, it's a tough one. Because, you know, I can't get that that image of Jamma just absolutely running over um, <laughs> oh. Andrew Coe out of my mind. It's just like on permanent replay. I I love it so much. Um, it was awesome to see in person too. Just you're like, oh, he's gonna get tapped. Oh no, he just ran him over and kept going. But but as good as that was, I f- I felt like Bavaro is just just does so much in so many different aspects of the game for us that I, I have to go with Pavaro. Yeah, ec- excellent choice, and I agree with you. Kudos one to Andrew Coe for sticking his neck in there and at least trying to make that tackle because that cannot be easy. And you could tell when they zoomed in on Jama after that try, he was fired up about that one. Good for him to get a try there. Excellent pick on, on Bavaro, and again, I think he was due for... He's always had real steady performances, I felt like, so far this season, but he was so close to breaking out a few of them, and, and a great time for, for O'Glory to see Bavaro have a breakout performance there. Um, he's not my forward of the game. He's he's my one, 
B, Colin Gross is my 1C. Again, I got to give it to Jama, 1A. Again, seeing him rumble and, and break loose, make some good passes, be all over the field with tackles. <clears throat> he's, he's the heart and soul of that team out there. I got to give it to him. Again, but a lot of a lot of excellent. It could have gone to either one of those three players that we talked about, if not more. So, okay, back of the game. Um, I will let you go first again. I'm gonna give it to Graydon Boyd. I think, you know, again, Willie Talatena had an excellent day. He basically plays as a third flanker on the team, and and that's it's it's so much fun to watch him and the amount of work he does at the breakdowns too is it's just wonderful but you got to give it to Boyd for really stepping up his first start of the year his and he hasn't even had that many minutes he mostly has been subbed on towards the end of games and so he got one his first start at 10 cuz he I think he started at uh fullback for a match if i remember correctly but but yeah, really stepping up and and proving why he deserves a place on this team and a place in the lineup. We talked a couple of weeks ago. We saw in the rugby Atlanta game there were a couple of kicks where the bounces did not go our way and seemingly landed right in the hands of the opponent. The um, the kick over the top that Boyd did, where it was like one bounce and Willie T just boom right to his chest called it and scored one a big moment for Ogilvy to get back in the match but two it was good to see finally a bounce go our way for once and and it's such a perfect time I thought Boyd played great um good to see him out there and it'll be interesting to see what happens in this Utah match if we find him back out there Boyd Tito and Baker there's a lot of guys out there that can pass and distribute I'm gonna cut against the grain here and uh and I'm going to give it to Tito. And the only reason I'm saying this is because when he came into the match, very important moment of the game. One, two phenomenal kicks, right? Like, obviously makeable kicks, but still very intense moments of the game where Oglory needed to add to their lead and stretch it. But those weren't even the plays that I thought were the best. The 50-22 that Tito executed towards the end of the game where it, like, dink, 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 bounced a couple of times and went out. Just the, the, the coolness under pressure and just the awareness to know in such a big moment of the game that, hey, this was, this is an important kick. We don't want to give the ball right back. And if I execute this 50-22, we're hopefully going to get the line out, convert it, but hang on to possession. In my mind, that is a, a cool, cum, cool cucumber. So that stuck out to me. Again, it's, I don't think Tito didn't start not because he wasn't playing well. I think it was Old Glory trying to maybe shake things up, make sure – Boyd could get yeah. some game time a little bit more. Tito's a professional, a professional performance coming in in limited minutes and still having such a big impact on the game that I'm going to give it to Tito, but it, I thought the fly halves for Old Glory were, were the backs of the game. Yeah, and that's why we have a fly half controversy because, I mean, you look at someone Tito, uh, he's just so skilled and he's so good at at what he does and his, his kicking is just excellent. And having both him and Baker and on the field and both able to kick and you you don't know who's going to do the kicking and they're both capable of getting the I think they both have 50-22s in this match it's but then you've got Boyd has his own set of skills excellent as a distributor so I mean if Old Glory can find a way to put them all three of them on the field at once I think that's that's the winning formula and let's keep that winning formula going we talked at the top of the episode about 
a look at the current standings. Let's run through that again real quickly because um, although New England may be starting to pull away a little bit there, they had that big, they dropped an 80-burger on Toronto, and I feel bad for Toronto. I mean, they're they're battling back injuries, depth issues. New England was certainly going out there looking to get some points, and they did. They're in first place in the Eastern Conference. They've got 30 points. New York Ironworkers still in second place, but that gap has tightened between second, third, fourth, and fifth. New York has 21 points. Um, and it was good um, for Old Glory, of course, to to get that win. So they're 1-1 one one against New York this season, so we won't see them again unless potentially we meet them in the playoffs. Uh, third seed, we've got Rugby ATL, 20 points. They continue to – I can't get a handle on this team. I uh, Early in the season, I thought they were sneaky good. Then they had a rough stretch, and I'm like, this team's not very good. And then they have two big good wins there. So, like, all glory. Exactly, yeah. So a good team that maybe is – Or like NOLA. Yeah. Or like New York. Like, if basically the int- – I mean, New England's pretty consistent at the top, and everyone else is just like, we've got good stretches and bad stretches, and I feel like it's just hard to tell who's – Who's good? Who's who? Yeah, yeah. who's who? Well, we know D.C. got a big win, and they got, you know, that quote-unquote monkey off the bat by beating New York. So they're now in, they're in fourth place. They're tied in table points with 20, but Atlanta's got the, the tiebreaker. And then you've got NOLA. Again, still a very dangerous team. They're not out of this, certainly at all. They've got 16 points, and then Toronto is sixth place in the Eastern Conference. They have eight points. So, again, if you look at second and fourth, right, New York, second place, 21 points. D.C., fourth place. 20 points. I mean, you could go from second you could go from second to out of the playoffs seemingly week to week. So the margin of error in my mind is so thin and so tiny that these big out of conference games that are starting to come up right for Old Glory now, a home game against Utah, which is probably one of the hottest teams in MLR right now. Four game win streak, seemingly beating teams. You I will say credit to you last episode you said you don't think Seattle's good as people think they are. Maybe we should start listening to you more often, AKP, because certainly whatever I'm saying is not working. So let's talk about this Utah Warriors team. Despite the fact that they've won four straight, they're still only fourth place in the West. They're six wins, two losses. They've got wins over New England and Houston. They play a fast, loose game. They're fun to watch. What's your take on Utah right now? Yeah, my take is that this is going to be a difficult one for Old Glory. I mean, they play a lot. They probably are most similar in style to San Diego, and we all know how that went. They're like New York, but better. They're they like to play fast and loose and and aggressive, and they don't they don't get frustrated at all, or they don't seem to. Like you, you can't really slow them down. They're they're a team that seems to have the mentality that. Um, they're going to win or lose based on their own skill. They're going to just try everything, put everything out there, um, take a lot of risks, and sometimes that'll go badly and, you know, it, it won't play out. But you know, if it goes well, <laughs> it goes really, really well. And so far, it has been going well. Um, so I feel like it's a very... It could be difficult for Old Glory if... If they manage to do things like they have a really good offloading game, they could, if they can get in behind the old glory defense, our scramble defense isn't the best in the league. Um, if 
if they can get us out of position and out of shape, and they certainly have the pieces to do that, then it could be a tough day on defense. But I think at the same time, the Utah's not necessarily the the best team on on defense themselves. They're they're a little more willing to to let teams score and to to let chaos happen. They're they're a chaos team for sure. So and we've thrived on chaos so far. So it this could be a high scoring match. This could be one where the the first team to 50 points wins it. Yeah, I think if you're a betting person, whatever the over is in this game, you take the over because I do think there are going to be a lot of points scored. The number of times I've watched Utah play, and I see Lance Williams streaking down, and he's either got Joey Mono on his left or Mika Cruse on his right. And if you're the fullback or the wing and you've got to tackle, you know, you're picking your poison there. Do you try and tackle Lance Williams? And as you mentioned, the offload game is so good that Cruse has a clear shot or Mono goes rampaging down and takes his bow and arrow and he shoots it at the rugby ball. If you saw that try celebration he had in round nine, this could potentially be probably the highest. I'm going to go out and say this will be the highest scoring game in round 10. Like, Old Glory dropped 42 on New York. I think both squads. Old Glory, actually, if you recall last year against New York, that was the highest scoring game in in MLR history for both teams, combined score. I think we could see D.C. and Utah combined for uh, the highest scoring game in MLR this season. It, this may be a high-octane back-and-forth, whoever scores last wins. And if you recall AKP... The last time Old Glory played Utah was last year. Do you remember the outcome of that game? Do you remember how that game uh, ended up? I mean, how can you forget that game? (laughs) Being in the stands for that one. Booing the kicker. Definitely the entire stadium. (laughs) Um, Please. And, yeah. Utah had had uh, a penalty right in the 80th minute. Down one point. You know, they kick it. They win. And they and they they missed, went wide right and and that was it. Entire stadium erupted. We got our first win that season after a nine-game losing streak. It was, it was it was quite something. One of the best moments Old Glory's had, I think. Yeah, in a, in a particularly trying season, it it was great. And I love your recall because you, you nailed all the big moments of that game. Um, so certainly, I mean, again, the teams have changed quite a bit since they last met each other, but, uh, uh, good to see that history, recent history shows that we are on form and we can beat Utah, uh, if we play right. And that was a lower scoring game. I don't think we're going to see a 22-21 score, uh, this round, but we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. But either way, it should be close because, I mean, that was a one point win for us that time. If you look at we've only played them one other time we played them in utah they won by one point um that time that was again a super close game where they just and i think that was one where they scored right at the end to to sort of steal it away so we've got a a history of very close very (laughs) heart attack finishes with uh the utah warriors so you're saying bring your you should bring your tums with you just in case you get any heartburn during the game yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that, you know, both of us have won by one point at home each time, so I'm hoping that this being a home game gives us just that little bit of an edge. All right, so 
I meant to add, we're going to move into the prediction part, the score. Um, before we begin, though, if you have it handy, what are our playoff odds at the moment? Old Glory's playoff odds after beating New York. Have they improved a little bit? Nope, they've they've stayed about the same. So, um, but but staying steady is exactly what you'd hope for in that sort of situation. Um, we had so New England's basically guaranteed to get in. New York is um, sitting at about a seventy percent chance of making it, and then it's us and Atlanta are tied at forty eight percent. So we're we're both like dead even. You know, fifty fifty odds of making it, and then. Null is a little further behind. I think they're at 38% or 36, something like that. Um, so they're, they're, they're a, a step behind, but by no means out of it. I mean, you know, one out of three times they'll make it in themselves. So it's all really, really close. All right. AKP, this is the fun part. Give me your score prediction. Or would you like me to go first? Uh, it, you go first. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna step. I'm gonna step to the plate here. I'm gonna say uh, there's a combined score of over a hundred. I'm gonna go Old Glory, fifty-two, <laughs> Utah, forty-nine. Old Glory DC wins it on um, a, a penalty in like the extra time in like the eighty-first minute, either. Boyd or Tito hits the game winner on a on a penalty kick. Old Glory DC wins by three. That's that's quite the prediction. I'll I'll say a combined score over over eighty. I think both teams break forty points. Um, and I'm gonna take DC by one, a single point. Um, I don't know how what that's gonna look like, but one way or another, we're gonna keep up the tradition and win by one point at home against Utah. And the model, the model has us at a dead tie. Um, it has a very, very. If you if you expand out the number, um, it's it's we're favored by a tenth of a point. But rounded rounded down, that's that's a, <laughs> a zero points could go either way. Toss up. Well, so Utah, so what's going in Old Glory's favor is certainly it, it, Utah, unfortunately, are missing the services of their their, their center, the Eagle, uh, men's Eagle, Paul Asike, who I believe had a knee injury a couple of rounds ago. Not sure his availability. Um, certainly he is a battering ram out there. If he doesn't play, certainly that's going to be, I think, a little bit easier for the defense. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, 52-49, maybe an outlandish uh, score prediction, but you know what? You come for my outlandish claims, and you and you listen, and you stay for AKP hitting it solidly on the mark. So, there you go. Let's move on to the rest of round ten. Again, it's a full slate. Again, we've got six games going on. Let's start um, first game in round ten: New England versus Atlanta. New England at home after dropping eighty points on Toronto. What does the model say, AKP? The model has New England by 11 points. Mm, mm. You know, I think New England wins this game. Part of me really wants rugby ATL to put up a put up a contest here just to go just to prove that in the Eastern Conference there may be a leader of the pack right now, but those in two, three, four, and five are still battle-tested teams who are 
duking it out each week and can hang with New England. We saw that O'Glory can hang with New England at home. Should have won that match. I think New England wins this one. I don't think it'll be that big. I like to think Rugby ATL has been on form of late, and this might even come down down to the wire on this one. New England probably ultimately pulling out. a. am going to give them a five-point win. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, I'll i take New England by three points. Um, again, I think New England has it... Has, they know themselves too well to, to drop this, but Atlanta, I do think, will give them a run for their money. What I'm hoping for, though, is for Atlanta to lose without any bonus points, because... That would be the best thing for us. That's my next question. And maybe we do this going forward with our picks when we talk about these games. As, as an Old Glory fan, who do you want to win this one, New England or Atlanta? What's more advantageous for Old Glory? An Atlanta loss with no bonus, with no table points? Because at this point, we're not going to catch up with New England. Realistically, New England's already in and guaranteed. So like, we're fighting for that second or third spot. And the, the fewer challengers we have for those spots. So like, New England at this point counts as sort of an out-of-conference game. It's that same way you'd think. Because they're not... Them losing isn't going to change our odds of the playoff. But Atlanta losing will. Got it. Okay, Atlanta. Lose by a lot. No table points. Don't score. Don't get four tries. Check. All right, we talked D.C., Utah. Next up, Dallas-San Diego. That's Saturday night, 8.05 p.m. kickoff. I got to think in this one, we saw San Diego uh, when they played Chicago. They um, they put out some new players that hadn't seen some minutes. A couple of guys got their first MLR starts. They still played really well. I mean, Nate Osberger had two tries, had two called back. This is a team that's still going to score a, point, a lot of points. I predict they're probably going to do something like that again, right? They're not going to have their full roster out there. Dallas certainly is playing better. They're not going to be necessarily the speed, proverbial speed bump that they've been in the past. But uh, San Diego, I don't think this is a banana peel game for them in the sense that they're too good of a squad. They're not just going to, I think, haphazardly just drop something like this, that even if they don't play most of their quote-unquote starters, there's still so much talent and depth within their squad that they're going to win this game and probably win it pretty comfortably i'd like san diego to win this one probably by at least 15 yeah i'd take san diego by 20 i think they'll won't have any problem putting it away and the the model has san diego by 13 so we're all pretty bullish on san diego here all right so sunday after sunday there are three games chicago at home versus Nola Gold. Nola Gold, certainly, again, they have yet to beat Rugby ATL. They dropped one in round nine. couple of big injuries on their part. Tom Florence, their eight-man, their back rower has been playing really well. He's injured. He might be out for a stretch. Their fly half, Rodney Iona, looks like he may be hurting his hammy. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Chicago will win this game. And this is also for Old Glory DC fans. I think Chicago... They, again, they've got some depth issues, right? In the 60-65th minute, the guys that they're bringing aren't, aren't quite as good as some of the other bench players for their opponents. But I still think that back line with Meeks and Elof and Matina and Cardi and O'Keefe, I mean, you, you name it, Dominguez has been out because he's been hurt. He had a head injury. He may be back. I still I think they find a way. They're starting to kind of gel maybe a little bit more. And maybe this is just an optimistic point here but i like chicago i think chicago is going to win this one at home i can say chicago by three what does the model say the model has nola by two 
but I I sort of agree with you. I feel like form favors Chicago in this. Um, but at the same time, I feel like Nola could have a bounce back game. So I'm going to take Nola by three, I think. I respect the Chicago pick, though. And as an Old Glory DC fan, what's most advantageous for Old Glory in this one, the outcome in this one? I mean, absolutely Nola losing with zero bonus points would be perfect, because if Nola and Atlanta both lose with zero bonus points, then even if we get just one bonus point, that puts us ahead of them, gets us into a playoff position. And if we're expecting, considering how many tries we're expecting from Old Glory this weekend, uh, I don't think a bonus point will be a problem. 52 to 49, folks. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's scoring tries. Um, all right. S- the next game on Sunday afternoon is New York at home against the Houston Sabercats. Um, the Sabercats um, may be missing probably their young eight-man Gideon Van Wick, Wyke. Van, I can't pronounce his name. Good young South African player who, if he stays in the U.S. for a little bit longer, will become USA eligible. He got a red card um, in the Dallas game in round nine. Probably is going to get is probably going to miss a week here. We'll see. A lot of firepower in that Houston lineup. I like Houston in this one. I know they're traveling, and I know New York needs a bounce back win here. But um, I think if you look on paper right now and just how they're playing recently. I think the, the Sabercats are, are a better team. It's getting interesting there in the Western Conference with between them and San Diego and Seattle and Utah. Not a game they can afford to drop necessarily. They're only a point up on Utah in third, Utah in fourth. I like Houston in this one. I think Houston wins this one by – I'm going to give them winning by six. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Houston as well. The model has uh, New York by one point. But that's a home advantage thing. And frankly, I just, yeah, I, I've been saying it the whole t- season. I don't think New York's actually that good. Um, and I think they're, I don't think Houston's the sort of team they're going to be able to take advantage of. So, yeah, I'll take Houston by, I don't know, seven or something. Yeah, and Houston winning this game helps Old Glory, like as you just mentioned. Absolutely. You know, this- all the reason to cheer for Houston. No reason to cheer for New York ever in this game, so we won't even consider that as an option. <clears throat> Final game of round 10, the Toronto Arrows again at home, this time against the Seattle Seawolves. I don't know what's going on with Seattle. Uh, I'm still convinced they're a good squad. I'm not saying that you think they're a bad squad, but I think you were saying that they're they're maybe not as good as everyone may think they are because there's some issues or stuff like that. Look, Toronto just, right, we all saw what happened against New England Free Jacks. No one likes having 80 points scored on them. I've played in a game where we've got absolutely run out of the out of the field by teams who seemingly every time they touch the ball they scored, right? It's not a good look for MLR. I don't think it's necessarily anything to celebrate. Sure, New England fans are probably pretty happy about it. But I don't think the arrows are going to go out there and let themselves get another 80 points dropped on them. You know, Seattle is, is a good squad. Certainly Seattle is going to want to go out there and prove after, the, what, two losses in a row now for Seattle that they can that they can win and they can travel. Seattle probably going to win this game. They're probably going to win this game pretty comfortably. I'm going to have them winning by at least, I'll say, 14 points. It could probably be more. I hope it's not more simply because... I just hope Toronto can 
find some form here of late. No one likes watching the game where it's 80 to 5, even if you're the winning team. Like, it, at a certain point, it just becomes like, what's going on here? So, I think Seattle wins this one. They win comfortably. I'll have them winning by at least 14. Yeah, I think I think Seattle wins by 20 to 30 points. Um, and I think it's because um, I think Toronto is going to struggle to score. You know, I don't think I don't think Seattle's going to put up 80, but I think they're going to be able to put up like 30 points, 40 points. And, you know, I can't see Toronto getting more than a couple of tries. That's Seattle defense is is very, really good. And Toronto just clearly doesn't like I'm sure um, Bowen, their their teenage new teenage phenom over there is going to be able to just wrestle is or like absolutely break through for something but you know that's only going to happen once maybe twice a game so i don't i don't think toronto is going to be able to score and i think that's why seattle's just going to walk away with it it'll be interesting to watch as we talk about scores point differential as now we're in the second half of the season now and teams are jockeying for position and tiebreakers and things like that how much point differential will matter into things so some certainly something we'll look We'll keep an eye on moving forward. AKP, um, fantastic episode. Close us out. What's the final thought going into this Utah match? Uh, Get ready for some exciting rugby. Perfect. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, AKP, Alistair Kirschpool, joining me as always. We'll catch you next week as we break down the Utah Warriors match.